0: Because I'm the founder of the company, realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening to The Church Boys Free Fall Q&A.
1: It's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys, and I have evangelist Nick Hall, founder of Pulse here. How are you doing today?
2: Doing good, Billy. Glad to be here.
1: So it's good to have you. So you have this event coming up in July, and... You are trying to bring as many Christians as possible, uh, particularly young people, younger Christians, to the National Mall. Tell me about this event.
2: Yeah, I mean, so it's really a bunch of people uh, that were uh, just kind of, I would say, a little frustrated by all the kind of division around us and a lot of times how faith gets associated with so many negative things. And so for us, like our faith is such a positive influence. There's so much hope. There's so much love. There's so much acceptance, right? I mean, Jesus came for everybody and offers life to everybody. And so we really have had this desire to have a, uh, a really gathering that would represent as many streams and as many movements. I mean, you mentioned Christian. Uh, you think of churches. But you think of all these people coming together. And certainly primarily people would probably say Christian, but a lot of people who maybe even are uh, a little leery of the stigma of what people start to think of when they think of Christian, but really it's all about Jesus, and we really believe that uh, people can come together and uh, rally for Him. And so, yeah, we've been praying and dreaming for over a million people to be there.
1: So a million—I mean, that's crazy—a million people. How long have you been planning this? Like, how long has this been in the works? Yeah, it's been about five years um, that we've been
2: thinking about it, talking about it, uh, linking arms with different organizations. So. About five years ago, we started to meet with the heads of several big nonprofits, churches, ministries, whatever. And as you mentioned, uh, we work with an organization called Pulse. So we do big student events. But, I mean, a big event for us is like 10,000. Right. You know, you get an That's a huge that's, event for most people. Well, totally. And it is a huge event. Right. A million is yeah. like another world. And I, think, and I think the question for us became, it doesn't matter how big your event is, um, there's nothing big enough or loud enough. Like, there, there's no organization big enough. There's no voice loud enough. Like, the issues facing our society necessitate coming together. You know, even if you have the biggest church, you know, even if you have the biggest conference organization, right, it's still just kind of a blip on the screen. And so there's something about, I think, when all of us point in the same direction, when all of us lift our voices at the same time, that we really believe that's when change can happen, and that's when the world takes notice. And so for us, it really is, uh, it's both a public thing, uh, for us to stand and say, you know what, we do believe in Jesus. We believe in his life, in his love, in his example. And we want to follow him. And so uh, we don't want to follow all the things that you maybe think of. No, we want to go out and live this life of sacrifice and love and service and, and certainly live for things that matter. But then on the flip side of that is it's us coming before God and saying, God, we want you to change our generation, change our hearts, change our lives. You Because know, it begins with each one of us. This isn't about us gathering against anyone. In fact, this is each of us gathering for ourselves, saying, Of all the people that need Jesus, I'm the first in line. Right. You know? And so, man, if you feel like Jesus can offer you something, you're invited to the party, everybody's invited. And uh we're just we're trusting it's gonna
1: be a historic time. I mean, yeah, if you if you get a million people out there, it'll be a pretty historic time. And yeah. and you chose D C obviously intentionally. Yeah. Notice it. Yeah, so, uh,
2: I mean, you think of gatherings that have had uh, a historic mark, you know, and we always talk about, like, movements that have changed history are often defined by historic gatherings, right? So you think of civil rights, you think of the I Have a Dream speech, you think of the woman's suffrage movement, you think of the women marching up and down the National Mall. Our founding fathers and uh, even the people, the architects of Washington, D.C., literally set aside that plot of land. As the gathering place for the nation and so we think of it in terms of nationally it's the place that our forefathers set aside but even when you think of spiritually like in the in the Bible that people would gather often in Jerusalem and you could say like in places all over the earth different nations there's a city that kind of symbolizes that place you know you could say like hey we got to be in Moscow or we got to be you know whatever it is Tokyo um, obviously, I think for us in the United States, as you think about our nation's capital as this global city, I mean, you could gather in New York as well, I suppose, and maybe that'll be the next time we'll gather yeah, in Times yeah, Square yeah. or Central Park or something. But, but, you know, the National Mall is just a symbolic, historic place. And so, yeah, as we prayed about it and thought about it, um, we really felt like that was the spot. And honestly, we think a million is a conservative number. So, I mean, we really think that. You know, with the movements and streams and organizations and churches coming together, uh, we think there could be you know much more
1: than that. Yeah, I was joking with you before. You know, we started recording that you have everybody and their mother who's in the Christian world on the list of people who are going to be performing there or speaking there. Yeah, like, oh, that's my friend. Oh, I know that. Like, that's crazy. These are huge people, right? Um, who are going to bring people in too? Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. In, in which and which is smart and. Um, So what's going to go on during the day? Have you guys mapped all that out yet? Yeah, I mean, it's a working draft. Uh, I mean, honestly, there's still more
2: people coming on board, you know, and so it's a little bit of a fun process of, you know, what does it look like when we all come together? What does it look like when we all stand together? What does it look like when we all pray together? I mean, so you can think of the day really as a gathering that will be a mix of, you know, times of prayer. Uh, There will be uh, moments of, you know, there'll be a lot of musicians that'll be singing different songs, whether it's praise and worship, or whether it's more just talking about who Jesus is. Because that's the whole day is about. It's about Jesus, and we talk about Jesus changes everything. And so that's kind of a theme that will come out of it, and the reset that he offers us, right? And so you think of uh, prayer, you think of music, and then there will be little, almost like TED Talk type things, but all about the impact that Jesus has had and can have on our lives. And so you can think about people like Robbie Zacharias or Francis Chan, Uh, Christine Kane, Sammy Rodriguez, who you mentioned, you know, giving challenges and then having these moments of just celebration and moments of prayer together. And ultimately, like, our hope is that from the day, it will just be a massive catalytic wave of really a generation that's saying, you know, okay, we are uh, called. uh, We feel like God is in us and with us, and we want to go and live this thing out. And so it's almost a little bit of a passing of the baton. You can think of some of the older leaders really standing alongside and standing behind and championing, you know, a generation of, uh, you know, teenagers, middle schoolers, college kids, young professionals that maybe haven't felt that significance in their faith yet of like, hey, this is mine. It's my time to stand. I don't need to look at my parents or grandparents anymore and say, oh, they're the ones that have to be responsible. Right, right, right. It's a little bit of like, no, this is the next generation. And we'll always tell people, man, uh, we say that the next generation is our future, but they'll only be our future if we make them our present. And so we really believe the time is now for this generation to gather. The time is now for all generations to stand together. And, uh, you know, in a time of division, you know, we think it's time to come together.
1: Yeah, I mean, everybody's divided about everything. It's like, it's insane. Like, everything is a battle. Everything is a... And sometimes you're just scratching your head, like, why are we even having this fight right now? But there, it is sort of a crisis point, I think, for millennials in particular. Yeah. I mean, I'm 32, you're 33, right? Yeah. So this, we're on the upper end of that millennial generation. But I look at like my peers, and then I look kind of like down the line a little bit, and I'm sort of like, man, there's a lot lot of confusion, a lot of disconnection, also a lot of faithful young people in that mix. But when you look at the numbers, the numbers don't lie, and we have a lot of young people, well, I guess millennials to begin with, are the least faithful out of any generation right now. And, you know, I've asked questions of Pew and everybody who looks at that well, trying to get around it. Is there there really isn't a way around it in that they're less faithful than other generations were at this point yeah. in their journey. But yeah.
2: Well, less faithful, I think when it comes to like a, attending, you know, a service, but I would say that it's actually more spiritual of a generation than we've had in a long time. You know, and so it's kind of a little bit of like, they, they don't want the institution. They don't want the normal gatherings. They don't want the status quo. And I think for us, we look at that and say, okay, this is a perfect generation to actually follow Jesus You know, because he was kind of non-conformist, you know, he was kind of revolutionary. You know, he kind of threw religion on its head. And so it's interesting. And I love talking to people who don't like the church or don't like Christians. And I love just talking to them about, you know, who else didn't like religion was Jesus. You know, like he was always the people who were against him all the time were the people who were the most devout. You know, because all they had was their rules and they couldn't get over this guy that came from the wrong family, that came from the wrong background, that was loving the wrong people and saying crazy things. You know, and so I really think that there's something that's such a magnet and, uh, and draw and appeal and example. You know, and we really think that like regardless of where you're from, regardless of religion or background, Jesus shows us examples of so many things. You think about friendship, you think about character, you think about leadership, you think about integrity. Um, obviously, just somebody who changed the world by, uh, you know, just by love, by demonstration, and, and not by, you know, violence, not by, you know, these things that we see all around us, not by criticism, you know? He wasn't this mean person that was out like, you know, even John three sixteen, he said, uh, you know, God so loved the world right, that he came to save, he, he said, I didn't come to condemn the world, right, and yet I think that's so often today that you see, like, when people think <coughs> of Christians, they define them by condemnation, like, you know, any movement that is defined by what it's against, it's right. kind of a hard, you know, that's right. like, okay, you got a problem, there's a brand problem there, you know, and I think so much of that for the church and for Christianity is when people think of us, they don't know us for nothing other than Three issues, political party, right, and you know, whatever experience that they had when they were a kid that's some yeah, it's you know, true. lame service.
1: Right, no, it's really it's really true. And it seems to me like in talking about that big gap you know, everyone's going, Oh the millennials are so that there's a lot of opportunity there though. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to jump on the numbers. I think it's thirty percent, thirty two percent that yeah. say they're you know, they're the nuns, which, you know, sure. atheists love to talk about the nuns because they say, well, look, 20% of Americans, you know, 30% of young people. It's like, yeah, but most of those people, the yeah. vast majority, yeah. they don't reject God. They're just not totally. sure. They're not attached. They don't know totally. where they stand. So, an event like this, there's a lot of opportunity, I would imagine, too, to bring a lot of those people in, yeah. inviting your friends, telling people to come.
2: Yeah. And, and, and again, I think that's it where we would say that um, as you look at the landscape of our nation, uh, we think people are really hungry for change, and they're really hungry for something that can bring us together, right? And in a political season, like, I think we're looking for a leader. We're looking for an example. And, uh, and let's just be honest, like, in the campaign season, there's no one that looks innocent, right? Everybody looks like, it's like, I don't want any of these
1: people. It's awful, you know? yeah.
2: Yeah, but, but I mean, it's like, again, even those people, I think, can agree to say Jesus is a great example. Jesus is a great leader. People from different faiths can come together around Jesus. People from different backgrounds can come together around Jesus. Like We really believe that like he is the answer, that he's the leader. Our founding fathers believed it. We think we can come together with it. Obviously, some of us are going to be coming with a more devout and conservative and institutional view. And then people are going to come that are like, man, don't call me Christian, you know, but I want to know more and I want to follow this guy because I believe there's supernatural power there. And so I just think it's such an opportunity— it's such a moment that I think our generation is waiting for, is ready for, and, uh, and I think it's just the time. You know, the time is now, and uh, we've just been seeing incredible things happen as we've been working towards this. Groups coming together, you know, people giving, you know, time or money or whatever to see this happen. Like, there is a longing that is God-sized. We believe in the hearts of this generation and our nation,
1: and we think only God's going to fill it. What is your big hope that comes out of this? You know, at the end of this, uh, at the end of July when this is all done, what do you want? You know, I think when we look
2: back at this, I would say there's kind of a micro and a macro view. You know, in the macro view, I would say, like, our prayer is that this would be a defining moment for this generation. So if you are to look 10, 20 years down the road, that there are going to be hundreds of thousands of people that are going into their, you know, so now they're parents. Now they're professionals. Now they're going into their whatever. And they're going to look back at this season, and even specifically that day, as a day where their life was really marked. That something happened that was so big and so transformational for them. Like there was a commitment between them and God. There was a commitment between them and others that didn't look like them or act like them. But they said, man, I want to follow Jesus. And I just think like there's power in those moments. Like our life is defined by moments. you know. And so I think there's something about us all coming together with faith, with expectation coming together in hope and with love and with our face saying, God, I want to meet with you. Like, so that's like the big thing is like, I really believe that, you know, uh, my life has been impacted by several different things. And I, I know there's been these historic events in our nation's history that it's almost like history is defined by those events. Like you look at a timeline, you're like, "Okay, hey, then this happened, right? Then totally, this yeah. happened, then that happened, you know, so that's a big prayer and goal. Uh, I would say in the micro, you know, the very specific things that we're going after are really what we would consider core disciplines of faith and of what it means to follow Jesus. And so, what we mean by that is saying, like, in Jesus' life and in the life of those that are trying to follow him, and what you think of those that have been his followers for 2,000 years, we would say there's kind of some pillars of what that looks like. And so, we're wanting to rally behind those four pillars. So, one is prayer, and so, we're wanting to launch thousands of prayer groups. You know, just as simple as a friend meeting a friend, but that that can be a catalytic moment from the National Mall to see more prayer happen. We think, who of us doesn't need prayer? Who of us wouldn't want somebody praying for us? You know, it's sort of, okay, we just want to be a generation that prays. Jesus prayed. He told his disciples to pray. What does it look like for us to have a prayer life? The second part is scripture. You know, we really believe that there is that, you know, in John it says the Word became flesh. We think there's something about The book, there's something about the word of God. There's something about studying it, reading it, hearing it. And so people say this is the most biblically illiterate generation in American history. And so we were, our our prayer is like, man, can we flip that on its head? You know, can the most biblically illiterate become the most biblically literate? Like, what would it look like for us to realize that this is a historic book? This is the best-selling book of all time. This is a book that global leaders for ages have said is their most influential book. And so for us, whether you're a student of culture, whether you're a student of history, or whether you're a person of faith, like, man, you need to study this book. Right. And so we want to get back into Scripture. And the Bible Museum is opening not far yeah, from yeah, where you're Yeah, a then. year later. And yeah. so we're working with those guys. Um, yes, yeah, so we would say, we talk about it as pray, learn, share, love. And so those are kind of the four things we'll talk about. So prayer, uh, learning is just looking at Scripture, trying to understand God's Word. Sharing is, what does it look like for us to talk about our faith in ways that are... Uh, Full of grace and truth, you know what does it look like for us to love people and point to Jesus? And then that love part is really just the tangible. You know, we yeah. want to match our words with our deeds.
1: That's the part that sometimes is lacking, right? Yeah. You know, and 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 in fairness, I guess when you feel like the culture is collapsing on you, yeah, you fight back, and totally. sometimes that fight back is not. Helpful, totally. Um, and I think it's especially difficult when you live in a place, maybe, and and I shouldn't say this because it's generalizing, but when you live in a place where maybe there isn't as much of that diversity where you're dealing with other people, sure. right? Sure. Um And I've heard the arguments on the other side. Oh, well, you get, you know, you get brainwashed into believing things you shouldn't as a Christian. But it's like, totally. no, you can hold your own, right? Yeah. And yeah. be in a place like New York, and I've, totally. I've been here for 13 years, and yeah. I've held my own, you yeah. know. Yeah. But what's your advice? I think in that on that front, especially for young people who believe what they believe and they want to find a way to do that um and be friends with everybody yeah. and hold on to what they believe without losing it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really just a matter of
2: are you anchored? You know, I think it's uh, there's there's a mix of uh, having fellowship with people who are going to sharpen you in your faith and then also not being afraid of being in the world and being around people that are going to challenge it. Right? And I say I think it's both and I mean I think that's really where uh, the church as a definition comes in is that this is supposed to be a place of intimacy, of learning, of growth, of depth. And church isn't a building as much as it is any time we're gathering and talking about Him and praying for something to change in our life. Like, that's where those moments happen of deep change, so that then when we go out into the world, we're able to then live out that life and that love. I mean, because I think it's, it's one of either or. Like, a lot of people, they live their life in the church, and they just become mean. You know, they just become rule followers, judgmental, finger-pointers, Man, it's like we just want to build as big a walls as we can and protect ourselves against everybody else. And like, that's not Jesus, right? And then the other side of it is you see people it's like, oh, I just need to be in the world. I just need to be right. in the world. And it's like, okay, you look like the world. You act like the world. You talk like the world. You party like the world. You know, right, it's right, like right. I'm, not a, I'm not a follower of Jesus anymore at all because, man, the world is fun. You right. know? And I think it is. I think the life of following Jesus is a foot in both worlds. And so I think that's where a gathering like this, man, we're gathering as a community saying we want to follow Jesus, but it's inclusive. I mean, this is inviting anyone who is interested, anybody who wants to come. And then our goal going out of this isn't to go and build compounds. You know, our goal our goal is just to go and be like him in every area. If we're going to be a teacher, if we're going to be a doctor, if we're going to be a reporter, you know, if you're going to be a missionary, you know, whatever. But I mean... I think our belief is that following Jesus, and even what people would call quote-unquote ministry, right? That ministry isn't just a few jobs, Right. But that literally anybody who's following Jesus, that your life can be a ministry and should be a ministry, and there's no less significant calling on your life than there is on your pastor or on right. that person overseas. Like, no, if you're in Wall Street or you're running the food truck on the corner, like, God is in you. The things that you're doing are an act of worship to him. And we believe he wants to be like, there's this divine, interactive relationship that we can have with him. And so, yeah, I mean, we just think it's so exciting. I think that's the thing that has really moved us so much is that we think Jesus is the best. We think following him is incredible. Uh, We see lives being changed. It's not the normal, judgmental, hypocritical, being mean, pointing fingers. But like, we just really believe in Jesus, like, He can stand on his own two feet. Like, he's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your skepticism. So whether you're coming with all kinds of doubt, whether you're coming as an atheist or agnostic or coming from another religion, like, he welcomes you with open arms. Come and ask. And I think we too often as people of faith, our knee-jerk reaction to anybody that challenges us is to try to squash them. As opposed to saying, you know what? Our communities of faith should be the places where people are welcome to ask questions. Because let's deal in, let's let's dive in. Yeah, you know, I really believe that when you start to share your faith and practice your faith, that's when you start to own your faith. Because it's no longer just something my mom taught me or my priest taught me. This is something that I've seen fleshed out, and I've went back to the book, and I've prayed about it, and I've experienced this firsthand. This is true, and I think that's where it really changes from just something that is a word to now this is substance that's really transformative. It's like, man, I'm not talking about something that isn't just deeply ingrained in my life.
1: Right, 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 and part of the one of the negatives of this whole us versus them, the, the whole culture war, and not that people shouldn't get involved in, in having positions on things, but you know, you end up pulling out of media, pulling out of um, education, yeah. pulling out of, yeah. and then everyone's complaining. Well, there's no Christians in media. There's no Christians yeah. in entertainment. They're, well, yeah, because everybody are those industries hard to work in? Yeah, they are. They can be yeah. challenging. But when you've pulled out of yeah. every industry, and yeah. you can't complain that there yeah. aren't a lot of Christians yeah. there and there isn't influence.
2: And I really, I really challenge my friends and I I mean honestly people on all sides you know this isn't just for people who call themselves Christians I think this is no matter what you call yourself if there's a group that you find yourself critical of try to be friends with them find somebody that embodies that group and try to build a friendship because I think the truth is for all of us man when you all of a sudden have a friend that is now that issue or that box it really changes and challenges the way that you think about it, talk about it, pray about it, and look at it. Now, this isn't saying, like, I think a lot of adults say, oh, our young people are just wishy-washy on every issue. And I think there is, there can be that. But I think on the other side, it's saying, you know what? Like, I can be friends with people who don't believe the same way I do, that don't do the same things I do, and I can have an impact on them, and I can learn from them as well. You know, and I think that's just so important, especially all the more as somebody who's saying, man, I want to follow Jesus, like all the more we need to be the ones that are loving and engaging. And man, if you're defined by it, I think that's where the rub happens so much for us is like, man, if we're defined by negatives, if we're defined by finger pointing and hate, that is so far removed from the guy that we say we're following. That it's just like, that's where it's like, man, we need a reset. You know, and this is all of us individually because, and and again, that's at the heart of this gathering is really this belief that all of us, we drift away from the purpose that God has for our life. And whether we've been a believer for a year, a week, or 55 years, I think most of us who have been connected to faith, we would say that, man, over time, there's good things that come. And over time, there's bad things that come. Like there's baggage and kind of, religion that kind of create it used to be so exciting it used to be so fresh and now it's rules or now it's do and don't or whatever And it's kind of like we miss that like just i just want to know jesus i want to come back to that that first love and uh and so that's where it's like man we want to come back to that we want to individually say you know what? i'm not perfect i've judged people like I've pointed fingers i've been defined by those things i haven't loved first You know, I've made assumptions about people without actually going across the street and talking to them. Uh, And I mean, I just think, man, if each of us come in our own way and invite God to move in our hearts, and if we gather as a generation on that day, like we just really believe that our nation can change.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, this has been great. My last, my last question for you is Pulse. I wanted to know a little bit more. Like, what are you guys doing on a day to day? I know the general ministry. Just take me through it. Yeah, yeah. So Pulse is an
2: organization that has about thirty staff. We do about two hundred events a year, and so almost every other day, or every other, more than every other day, right? We're doing an event somewhere. That's crazy! Wow. And so those events could have twenty kids. The majority of them would probably be more like five hundred to a thousand. And then there'll be a handful that'll be 10,000 and up. And so in a given year, we'll be in front of about a million students through those events and live audiences. And so our team and organization is made up of those that are behind the scenes planning and orchestrating those. It's made up of people that are out speaking at those events, uh, that are out on the road running logistics. and uh, And really in everything we're doing, we're trying to point to Jesus and we're trying to spark conversations about him. And so it's kind of a... We look at it as like a, a timeline and we'd say like on one end is is unity and prayer and on the other end is kind of helping people take next steps in their faith. And so for each person, that's going to be different. For some person, that, that step might mean I want to get to church or I want to actually call myself a Christian now. But for others, it might mean, you know what? I used to think Christianity was lame, boring, judgmental. And now I just think it's kind of lame, kind of boring, kind of, you know what I mean? But at least that's a step, you know, and so it's like, Wherever you're at in the journey, our goal is to help you take that next step and help you connect to people that it's
1: care. It's the zero to 10 line. You totally. want to get a five to a six. You want to get a three to a four. Totally. You want to, yeah.
2: And sometimes it's going to be two <clears throat> to 10. But
1: the right. Most but most of, of it's us, going to be like three to four. Totally.
2: And it's a, it's a slow progression. And that's why it's about life. And so we come in alongside. If you think of this, we're doing this nationally and globally, but how it fleshes itself out in a local setting, like in New York, students would be here uh, praying and wanting to see stuff happen. And Pulse would be the one that comes in and helps them organize and facilitate unity amongst churches, campus groups, organizations, and helps them plan and pull off an <coughs> initiative that's bigger than they could do on their own. And so we'll come in, we'll book the venue, we'll come in and help them with the promo campaign, students will lead it most of the time, they'll even raise money for it, they'll give from their own pockets for it, and, uh, and it just turns in this massive wave of just student-led hope, I'm talking about Jesus, and dreaming big and including our faith. You know, a lot of times we think that uh, uh, we often don't connect our biggest dreams to our faith. You know, it's like in my career, I dream big. In my education, I dream big. But in faith, it's like, just keep going to church. Right. You know? Right. And we're just like, you know, this, this is like the biggest thing in the world is like the God of the universe. He's not intimate. We can't outdream him. And so, like, he wants to be a part of that. You know, what are your dreams? What are your passions? How can we use who you are? You know, to point to something that matters or to make a difference. Right. And so. No, absolutely. It's, it's awesome. Like, it really is. It started 10 years ago through an English paper I wrote as a college yeah, student. Yeah,
1: that was going to be my, my real last question. What, yeah. So this paper goes viral? Yeah. Like, how, what? Why? Do you know why? Well, I mean, it's just, I think it's, it's,
2: it's, uh, it's an example of what's happening right now. You know, I think we've been planning this thing for five years for the National Mall, and honestly, it's like everything is coming together in a perfect way. That it's like God has been orchestrating this long before us. And so now people are like, "Oh, this is perfect." It's a political season, divisions yeah. everywhere. Well, this could and not be better
1: timing. Totally, and yet and it's for us, right like, in the middle of it all. Yeah, and
2: we didn't think that. We weren't. We're not that smart. Right. You know, we were just like,
1: <laughs> this looks like a good day. Yeah, we're <laughs> like, we
2: need a Saturday. <laughs> you know, we would like to do it in 2016. Like, I don't even know if we knew it was an election. Right. Year. You, you just know what like, I mean? It was just good
1: year, good time.
2: Totally. And so I think, as in so many things, as students. You know, there was all kinds of destruction happening on our campus, suicide, self-harm, substance abuse, 22,000 kids in our city. I'm from North Dakota, you know, so it's not the metropolis, cultural epicenter of the world, but it's a great place. And, uh, you know, and, and there was barely any kids connected to anything of faith, and people were thinking of us in terms of all these negatives. And so we were praying about it. We were looking at the problems. I wrote this paper. And it just, honestly, it just touched, a, a, uh, I think, something that people were longing for and praying for. And I got a good enough grade that I photocopied it and gave it out to some friends. And it was kind of like, you know, let's see, you know, if, read this and tell me what you think. I mean, it's literally all it was. It wasn't like I didn't have a training in how to organize a pyramid scheme or a, So you were you know, just like giving it out to some friends. Yeah, it was, it was saying that this is a dream. It was a 15-page proposal on uh, an initiative I thought could be fun to see happen on campus that would be about hope and life and Jesus. It's called Pulse. The paper was titled
1: Pulse, so that's why the organization's called Pulse. Is it crazy to you, like looking back now? And oh, it's totally crazy. Being like, what? Like, how totally did that? Crazy. How did that happen? So, ten years ago, this week, March
2: twenty fourth of two thousand six was kind of the culmination of that first season, and so we had, by the end of that, we had eight thousand students come out and over a thousand kids that said they responded to, uh, to Jesus in some way for the first time. Tons of stories of like suicides that were thwarted and. It was just crazy. You know, we were, college kids, I was putting everything on my credit card. You know, we'd be planning these things. We didn't have a budget. We didn't have an organization. We didn't have anything. And and yeah, I mean, we weren't trying to start something. You know, we didn't have a master plan of getting on the blaze, you know. But you started something. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, but well, I mean, we would say God started something. We tried to reach our friends and as a result of doing that, students all over America started emailing. Like my inbox was full of kids from Texas and Florida and Illinois we heard about what happened if it can happen there it can happen here can you help us when we're like i'm living in my parents basement you know what i mean right. this isn't yeah. like you know i'm not like you know the, the infrastructure rock. to go out yeah. yeah totally and so it was literally we just took some time you know i was a business major and so i uh certainly didn't do that thinking i'm going to run a nonprofit ministry organization you know but me and one of my best friends really prayed about it and felt like you know what let's go for this thing and so 2006 we launched out we incorporated as a nonprofit. started you know raising support to do it and said we're just going to go as long as we can go and and our heart at that time was like we just want to do this for the one if, if there's somebody out there that's discouraged about the situation in their community and, and is desiring to see change happen but doesn't know what to do like we want to go to come alongside them and, uh, and help them see something happen because we remembered what it felt right. like no, to totally. feel such a big need, and so overwhelmed with nothing to do. I mean, it's like you feel like you're spinning your wheels continually. Yeah. And so that's really our passion is I mean, we want to awaken culture to the reality of Jesus. Uh, but it really fleshes itself out with individuals, you know, students, parents, teachers, whatever that are wanting to see change, and uh, and we come alongside. And it's it's been a crazy ride. You know, we've seen more people. You know, publicly respond or whatever you want to call it, then live in the state of North Dakota.
1: You know, what's crazy? It's crazy. You know, so it's just been, uh, yeah. I mean, it's really been. Uh, so a paper. I mean, a paper goes viral and launches a, and and launches a ministry. Totally. God does it, but through, but through totally. this paper that you wrote.
2: And now we're gathering on the national. Mall. Right. Right, I mean, and then so you see that timeline. Of, like, you Talk about a timeline. Yeah, that's the. Yeah. yeah. So you say like from North Dakota to the National Mall,
1: and it's interesting.
2: Like I think so much of our story. And this is really where we delight, and I think where we don't necessarily fit with a lot of the other big organizations out there is, like, there's a lot of really cool things going on. Like, there's a lot of churches that are just awesome, you know, and the best music, and it's just, oh, it's like, you meet these people, and we're like, you know, we're, we're from North Dakota, like, you know, like, people don't think anybody, like, people, most people think that's Canada. Like, when, when I tell people from North Dakota, like, if they know anything about it, their, their reaction will be that they like Mount Rushmore. You know, and I'll be like, thank you, that's South Dakota, right? I mean, so it's just <laughs> right. like, there's literally Broad no, state. there's literally like no association. And so it's definitely one of these stories of like, you think of students, people want to write off students. You think of an unlikely place, people want to write off unlikely places. And yet we really feel like that's the perfect backdrop for God to do something in a way that shows people that this is him. Because there's just no way that kids in North Dakota could do this and could orchestrate. I mean, you could say no way kids from anywhere Right. I mean it's one thing that's it's like Mark Zuckerberg at the Ivy Leagues. Right. You know, it's something else when it's North Dakota
1: State and Fargo. You know what I mean? It's like Well, he's selling a product. I'm really essentially selling totally, a product that totally. people are gonna use. This is this is totally. Yeah, I mean, this mean is literally
2: farmers and people giving and people. I mean, this is like literally the humble, hardworking folks of our nation that have really like led this. I mean, we've had, you know, I got a truck full of grain and I'm going to donate it so you can do this student event. And somebody just donated a tractor for this National Mall event. You know, and it's like, wow, this is like, you know, and and it's kind of, it's kind of funny, but it's like, man, when you get a North Dakotan to give a tractor, they are all <laughs> yeah. in. You know yeah, what I mean? That is, like, really... that is like, you know, if you, oh, right. if you get the mansion on Beverly Hills, you know that guy's <laughs> in. If you get the tractor in North Dakota, that's I love when it. you know. I love it. Yeah.
1: Well, this has been great. Thank you so much. We'll have to have you back beforehand. Definitely. Yeah, be talk about it again as things are gearing up. Totally. Appreciate it. Yeah,
2: thanks, Billy.